Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of singers, dancers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway show, and actually of every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards, and are basically Broadway's Backbone. This is episode one with our special guest, Stacy Todd Holt. So welcome, Stacy, to uh, to the show. Thanks, Brad. So I'm gonna go through uh, your Broadway shows, and you tell me if I missed anything. Oh my so, God. so we have Crazy for You, yes. Big, yes. Contact, Producers, yes. Crybaby, yes. Elf, and Rocky, plus the First National of Young Frankenstein. And what else did I miss? Uh, I was a vacation swing on Drowsy Chaperone, uh-huh. um, and I did the national tour of Crazy for You, and as well as Contact. Um, I think that covered it. Yeah. Well, no, that's quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you are my very first guest. So I mean, wow. it, it's it's a way a great way to start off. Excellent. So uh, first, tell me about how you got started and what why you decide I want to go be a Broadway performer. Well, um, I I got started uh, when I was very young and uh, uh, originally from a little small town outside of Atlanta in Fairburn, Georgia, and my best friend took tap lessons, and uh, her mother said, "Do you want to go along with me?" while I take her, and so I did, and I was fascinated by it, so I went home and begged my parents for me to take tap class, so um, that is kind of how I got into the business, and then I started doing theater in high school, and my my high school drama teacher was most influential on me deciding whether I wanted to do this, because I went to a very prestigious uh, private boarding school, and it was all about academics and Ivy League, and I knew I didn't want to do that, and she felt that, for me, a conservatory would be best, so I got my training there. Um, and decided to, like, if I was going to do this theater thing, I was going to go in it, you know, 100% and not have to do other classes along, you know. So, uh, yeah, and I knew, I did summer stock and got my equity card. How'd you get your equity card? Uh, I worked at, at three seasons back in the day when you had to do points to get your <laughs> equity card. Uh, I did three seasons at Arrow Rock, the Lyceum Theater at Arrow Rock, uh, Missouri. And they had rotating reps, so it was like, I got to do like nine shows in a season. So you'd do a matinee of Midsummer Night's Dream, and they did plays and musicals. And then Thursday, you know, Wednesday night show, you'd switch out in between shows and do Sound of Music. And then that night after that show, you'd switch out and do Peter Pan. It's crazy. Um, but I got my points, and then, so I had my card right after my senior year of, high, of college, and then I was like, I couldn't drive home. I was like, a week, I drove home, loaded up a U-Haul it, and moved to New York. Wow. So when it comes to like what you feel as your formal education, you got did you get just as much from college as you did from doing summer stock, or was it a combination, or was one stronger than the other? Well, it was definitely, um, you know, the the whole the summer stock experience was, you know, kind of getting putting to use what I learned in conservatory. Um, for me, conservatory was great because uh, you know being from Georgia, I had a really thick southern accent, <laughs> and so it was great to, you know, go through the technique. Uh, learning process of how to get rid of my accent so that I could do other accents that I you know that I've since used in a lot of plays and musicals um, so you know and the training was everything from Greek mask to stuff that I've never used <laughs> right. but it has influenced my you know my rehearsal process my you know swinging and understudying and being able to make a quick decision and going with that so uh, I for me I was glad that I went through a four-year conservatory training process as opposed to moving straight to New York like right out of high school. Or oh, something. I agree. I you did know. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, then at, I, at the U-Haul, you showed up in New York. I mean, did, any doubts, anything like that, you just went? Terrified. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, this, I grew up on a farm, you know, but my father worked for Delta, so I traveled a lot. So I knew part of it for me was just, I had to get out of the South. Like I knew I needed to, and, and performing and travel, my father showing me, you know, we took family vacations everywhere, wherever we could. And it was, I knew that there was life outside of my little town. And I loved performing. And I knew that if this is what I wanted to do, kind of like this decision to go to college or to conservatory, it was the same thing. Like I had to go to New York. You know, for me, it wasn't go to Chicago or go to Portland and do smaller, you know, I knew I like, let's go for it. And had um, you been there before you moved? We had been on family vacations, okay. and I had seen the the dance teacher that I had done studied. We had done competitions, and we had at Dance Educators of America competitions at the you know the Waldorf and all that. So, I you know was familiar with it and stuff. So, what was the first Broadway show you saw? Sugar Babies. I didn't understand any of it because I was a, I think I was ten years old. Was it original cast? Yeah. Mickey Rooney. Oh yeah. Ann Miller. Oh absolutely. Oh absolutely. That's, That's amazing. Insane. Yeah. So can I ask Front you? What balcony you can great. I ask you what year you moved to New York? I moved to New York in uh, the summer of 1988, and that's a completely different New York than it is now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I I had a friend. I stayed with a friend briefly in Manhattan Plaza, which is on Ninth Avenue and 43rd Street, and then I was able to get through him a friend. Uh, she is a voice and speech teacher at Juilliard, and she was going to Paris on sabbatical. So I stayed in her brownstone, subletted from her, and took care of her dog in her apartment. And that was on 70th and Columbus. So That's a nice area to start It was start amazing. With. <laughs> I was like, ah, you know, garden floor. But for me, even Columbus, that whole area, 72nd Street, is, but 9th Avenue is completely different. It was, there was not a building. It was boarded up. It was rats and drugs. And the real house kitchen. The real house kitchen, yeah. Um, you know, and 42nd Street as well. It was just like, I, you just like, if you walked home at night and didn't feel crunching underneath your feet from like vials and stuff. Really? There was like the I needles and not. everything like that. Wow. There, there's, yeah, like it's insane. Like when Fleet Week was in town, all of the sailors, I mean, it was a busy part of town with. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's insane. I mean, it's definitely, I can't believe when I look around this spot. But that's, I just kind of feel like that with all of Manhattan. I mean, the Lower East Side now is multi-million dollar high-rises, you know, where no one would go in Alphabet City. Now it's, you know, you can't get an apartment anywhere. It's insane. No, anywhere. Yeah. Move to Queens. Right, exactly. So did you start auditioning right away or did you oh, go yeah. to Broadway dance or? Um, I, I was, I applied to grad schools and I got accepted like as an alternate. You liked school. I, well, <laughs> it, for me it was like that. I, I, it wasn't necessarily much about like I wanted to continue my training. I kind of was like, What's the what is a different way to get in with like agents and casting director and knowing that I had that credential and plus I mean there was aspects of it that I did want to continue like non musical stuff that the acting program at NYU um, was something that I was really intrigued by so um, that didn't work out and it um, and in when I was honest with myself all I wanted to do was work I'd been through where like conservative program where they just rape you strip you naked and beat you down and tell you you're not good enough and all that. And then send you off. And I was just, I wanted to work. So uh, it all worked out. And um, it was probably with my, within my first six months, I realized I was a horrible waiter. Then I became a cater waiter, which I was phenomenal at. Because <laughs> it was like a big acting exercise. You just like put on a, you know, you tell what the client wants, whether it's a past champagne or if it's, you know, whatever it is. It's, I, I was able to make better money at that. And it was easier for me. 
And then um, I booked my first gig, which was the European tour of 42nd Street that Mark Bramble and Randy Skinner were all putting together um, before the recent revival of 42nd Street, um, when it had a lot of the original Broadway company members who were in it. Um, that was my first gig. And uh, so I and that's a show that's the true like backbone of Broadway. That ensemble is oh, the show. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember when the curtain... Oh, That's like, the show I got my equity card for, really? too. I yeah, love it. I mean, it's yeah. like, especially if you're a hoofer, you know? I mean, it's, come on, like that curtain rising halfway up and you're a sea of tapping happening going, you know, it just, yeah, it was like... And then we played Paris for six months, Vienna for nine months. We were in Amsterdam. We came back to Paris for an extension. We were there in the springtime. I mean, it was really surreal. And we were in these huge opera houses. So for me, it was that like, what? <laughs> um, it was an amazing experience. Um, but I... I for the most part, it was just like pounding the pavement, doing open calls and, you know, course calls at equity and stuff. And my school had done showings for like league showings mm -hmm. for casting agents. And I hooked up with uh, like three or four agents who I was um, freelancing with. And that led to me signing, you know, but it was a while. I mean, I was doing a lot of open calls and then some calls that they submitted me on. I got clearance to go do through that. But um, yeah, it was just like I moved there with five hundred dollars. That was the thing. $500, my sublet was $350, and I, got, I had to get new headshots, and that was gone. And I had a month now to get my next month's, and I was like, oh, my God. And that's just how, like, now I would never think of imagine moving to New York City with right. $500. Well, $500 so. couldn't get you a closet <laughs> Exactly. Now, a storage unit. Yeah. Yeah. So what led you from uh, 42nd Street to your Broadway debut, which was, was it, when my ride is it crazy? It's was crazy, crazy for you, yeah. Um, it was... Uh, I came off the tour. I came back. I was the first person to, to uh, bail ship of the 42nd Street tour. And I came back and um, I did a little production of um, Dan Hollywood's Night in Ukraine. And while I was doing that, I saw that they were holding auditions for the Broadway company, the new musical Crazy For You. So I went in for that. I made it all the way down to the very end. Um, and uh, we had, you know, did everything one at a time, did all the readings for Paul Gimignani, Mike Ockrent, Susan Stroman. And uh, my agent said that the word came back was that Stroman and, and Mike, they really loved me. But I was, you know, for, for the look of the dead rock, dead miner, you know, the coal miner, the, that, that I looked too young. So I was like, all right. So then the and tour, how old were you about this point? Oh, God, I think I was 23. Oh, I think it was 23. 23 um, years old and you've already toured Europe. That's pretty, no, that's I, pretty great. Oh, no, that's insane. wonderful. Yeah. I look back at those pictures of me in 42nd Street. Like, I looked like I was in kindergarten. It was crazy. <laughs> but um, then, so the tour started a crazy few and they called me and they sent me a CD. And I remember it was uh, Hughes Moss was casting. And they were like, don't shower, don't shave, don't whatever pick out what you're gonna wear and roll it up like wet it roll it up and don't let it out like wrinkled and as rough disgusting looking as you possibly can be come to this audition come to the callbacks it was I, we weren't even doing auditions we went to the callbacks and uh again we did everything one at a time and i remember um mike ockrent called me down to the it was at the uh the schubert theater and he came up on stage with me and he sat, we hung our feet over the orchestra pit and he read Polly, like I read Bobby. And then he read Polly and I read Everett. And then he read, so then it was this like crazy thing. I was going, what is going on? So then later I found, I was, I, they, I was cast as a swing. So it was a swing and the dance captain, the Bobby cover, the, the Eugene Fodor cover, 
Um, and uh, it was just to see like how I would like do this, do see, you know, what I would say, okay, sure, I'll read this way. Um, and uh, that we, we opened the tour in Dallas, went to LA, f was our first big stop. And that was the city that like Mike, they all came in to see the first big understudy rehearsal. And uh, I mean, it was just a complete dream role. That's, you know, yeah. dream show for me, dream role. And I like, I couldn't rehearse it enough. I was just, if I wasn't performing or on stage, I would grab the other swing or female cover to that. And we would go find a room somewhere, wherever tour house we were in, and we would just run it and do, do it just over and over because it was just like a blast. And uh, they just, they had great things to say and kind of fortunate for me, it was kind of literally beyond pinch myself. I think from there, it just, because they pulled me in to the New York company um, soon after that and just kind of took me under their wing. I mean, I, you know, you know I loved doing, especially Stroman's choreography because it was like from an actor's base uh, choreography. It's, I never felt like, there are certain shows that I would never go into audition for dance-wise. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, we just, we hit it off really well and I was kind of that, Thing of I'm ready to go along for the ride as long as you'll have me so um, that's kind of when our relationship began really so she went from Stroman to Stro I went <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, it's well yeah I, it's feel uh, oddly enough I feel I would like calling her you know Mrs. Stroman or and I heard actually someone call her Susie at one point and her reaction from that I was like note to self never call her Susie <laughs> Um, so yeah. So how was your Broadway debut? How was the night it happened? It was amazing. Um, uh, my whole family came in and, uh, I wasn't, so I had been doing the show. I wasn't, it wasn't until I went on for, you know, I knew someone was taking a vacation. And so, uh, so I'd been with the show in, in New York for a couple of few weeks or so. I actually, I can't remember what track it was I went on for, but I was able to notify my my family, and they were able to come in and, and see the show, um, and it was great. I mean, it's just you know, for me, that was amazing. But the 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 show of Crazy Few that I remember the most was Closing Night on Broadway, um, because there was a blizzard that shut all of Manhattan down. And, oh, the blizzard of '95. Yeah. Yes. And uh, that's just when I moved to New York. Oh yeah, and I mean. It was, you could not get it, they had to do a tunnel to get into the Schubert stage door. It, there was that much snow had, you know, had piled up in oh, Schubert Alley. So there was this carve out of snow, you went into the stage door, and um, there was no other show, there was no other Broadway shows. And I was like, this is insane, and I was swinging, and a guy, uh, who will remain nameless, but called me at home to say, I'm in Jersey and I don't think I can get in. And I was, he's like, what should I do? And I was like, call out. I would love to be. <laughs> yeah. So in fact, he did. He called out. I was on for the closing night. Oh. And it basically was like the Schubert Theater was a fire hazard. It was, we were packed, sold out. There was people sitting in the aisles and the standing room was just, was packed. It, I've never seen it look like that. And there were moments in the show that it was as if everyone had seen the show multiple times because leading up to the next moment, the, the applause had already, already started. Like, Entrance to Nevada where the girls were on the treadmill oh, in the right. back. You couldn't hear the music. It was screaming with so much. And then Gemignani held after the girls did the, like, hanky dab and did the sigh, ah, before the singing because the applause was insane. And we held and held and held. And then by then, the guys were all in our units, and I was asleep up on the balcony. 
for my character. And we're just going, this is unbelievable. It was the most magical night. And then there was a party afterwards. But yeah, I was sad that I could have done that show forever and ever. Wow. But truly magical to be literally on. It's kind of like, there, there are nights when I'm swinging, I don't want to be on for opening night. <laughs> but to be on for closing was pretty special. I think I saw you. I saw it October right before you closed because I moved Mm. to New York in the fall of uh, fall of '95. So I probably just saw saw you. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I can't think of a good analogy because if the ensemble is the backbone of Broadway, then swings are like the calcium of the backbone. I like that's (laughs) terrible analogy. It's the bone marrow. It's the bone marrow. But it is. They (laughs) are. I mean, seriously, the hardest working people. I done it once. I never want to do it again. Yeah. And you have a reputation for being really good at. That's all I've done. I mean, I, it's, I, when I was doing that at 23, you know, and stuff, it was like, it was truly, I like, it was a drug. Like if you told me at any minute that I was on for someone, I was like, great. And then if there were combo shows, like two people out, I was like, bring it, you know, I loved (laughs) the challenge that, you know, and, um, you know, there, there were times where there was one time on in crazy few where it was the stiff upper lip and there was the whole pyramid build with the chairs that we're sitting in. And they're rigged. They had steel things in the bottom so that you could stack them up. Well, they got placed incorrectly. And I was in the back row. I was on, happened to be on. And I'm just like, in my brain, it was just like the thing. I like looking around, just checking everything. And I noticed this one chair should have been a barricade chair, but it wasn't. And I freaked out. And I was like, this is, could be ta- you know, catastrophe. So during the number, I'm signaling people to like give me your chair and trying to correct this before the massive barricade build that Polly and Bobby stand on and or else it you know collapses and literally wanting to vomit because I like sweat was pouring off of me of realizing like am I doing this correctly oh my god I'm in you know in in understudy rehearsals you're setting it up so much so you know that's a very good chair that's not that's a very good chair to where it all of a sudden all of a sudden it started happening I was like please let this be right and it was it corrected but it was you know things like that where um it's just in it was like part of my DNA to like look around or know what's going on because it's kind of part of the job, you know. But it's all I've done, so I've kind of developed a a system that works for me, and I know when other people go like, oh, I got a swing, can you help me out, or can you, I try and just say, this is what I find works for me. It's very, it may not work for you, or you may have a system or someone else, but um, yeah, either people love it or, you know, there's people like me who's just done it so much. Well, this is before iPads and Apps, there's stuff that people can do. You did it oh, by writing right. it down with a pencil. Oh, right. Well, in my brain, yeah. in, you know, in, <laughs> how many years ago, was I, I could see something once or twice and be like, dude, noted. I never wrote, like, if you saw my Crazy Food Production swinging book, there was probably chicken scratch. Like, nothing would be written down. I just had 13 tracks in my brain and Bobby and everything else. Now, I'm like, I write it all in my script. <laughs> I do note cards. I write it on, you know. Right. It's everything, so. So then, uh, it sounds like you went straight from crazy for you to big, so you were yeah. on the Stro ride, yeah. which is a good ride. I was on that for a bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how was big? Big was well. Big for me was uh, it was my first originating a musical, and it was you know original company and that. And Stroman asked me to uh, uh, associate with her, so you know involved in the pre production and everything. So you know, and it was a huge hit movie. And at the time, it was. The most expensive musical coming in, it was surpassed mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard as far as budget and everything. Wow. Um, so it was a big deal, um, and uh, we had a really intimate show at 890 rehearsing, and then we out of town tryout in Detroit, and um, ran into some technical difficulties, and 
it just it you know it suddenly became um, this massive uh, technical uh, issue, and so sometimes the story gets you know dealing with all that the story gets lost or something. So we had a struggle a bit with the out of town tryout in Detroit, and um, when we opened in New York. Um, and it was just one of those things where it's like, it's also the, I feel like the first time where it was like, let's take a music, I mean, a, not the first time, but relatively started seemed like the transition of right. basing a mu- musical on a very hit, mo- a, you know, contemporary movie. Um, and uh, I mean, there were successes and there were frustrations with it, you know. Um, it was really fun working with, you know, we went all over the nation auditioning kids to put them in, so... We really had like nine, 10, 11 year old kids who were phenomenal dancers. So that was great. And then it seems like, it, did that go right into contact? Well, actually, when then I have a whole period of like, I have these Broadway credits. And then um, during Big, we did readings of Steel Pier. And then Steel Pier uh, was, Stroman asked me to go in, you know, to do into that. And it was the, the, the first time. Uh, I was I was not in the best place of frame of mind wise um, to be at the level of where I knew Stroman was kind of looking for me to be, and so I backed out of Steel Pier, to which I know would have worked with you because <laughs> that was and my so many other. Debut. I mean, every single person in the cast I Absolutely, now have a yeah. very close relationship with, and I look at what also makes me go, "Are you kidding?" Like, I was probably twenty. Uh, eight or 27 or 28 at the time and uh, you know to me to be like you know original candor and musical <laughs> I mean that I've done the readings of you know like no I'm, I'm not I was like who am I kidding insane who would ever do that but I truly was like I, I was it was more important for me in a relationship with in a working relationship with Susan Stroman to be like I, I just I going into this I, I was not in a great place personally and artistically and I couldn't so she understood, thank God, because then I was in Japan setting the Japanese company of Big, which were part of our producers in New York, Fujisake TV, ah. along with F.A. Schwartz. So I put together, spent almost three months in Japan putting together the Jap- full Japanese company of Big. And um, I was still in Big. The last night I was in Big, <laughs> she called and was like, where are you? And I'm like, well, I'm flying back tomorrow. And she said, I need you. Uh, there was an injury in the workshop uh, or the uh, at Lincoln Center, the mid-seat of contact. And she said, I, I need you to learn the show in like three days, two, two days, three days, to do a, a huge presentation for Lincoln Center. So I flew in and she picked me up at the airport and I came to... She picked you up at the airport? Well, she had a car. So oh. she, <laughs> okay, I was like, wow. She, came to the, <laughs> she had a plane from that. Um, and I went straight to Lincoln Center and Chris Peterson and uh, Tara Young like locked me in another room and taught me the whole show. And uh, that led to me, I did that in the, in the Mitzi. And then That's where I saw it. You did. Oh. That was the best place. Front row. It was Front row at the Mitzi. Down, space. like there was like two yeah. little seats. Yeah, it yeah. was... That was surreal for me. That doing that show in that space. I mean, I had a blast with it. I then later did it uh, as a swing up on the Beaumont stage, and then I did the tour of it. But it every time we moved it, like the Beaumont was bigger than Mitzi, and then mm. some of the tour houses were bigger than that, and they were proscenium, not in the round. Oh. But doing that show in a tiny like bathtub size space, it seemed like with those, it was the most voyeuristic, like amazing perspective of a theater that I've ever experienced in my life. It was amazing. And uh, so 
That's yeah. You know, that that. I was on the tour. I did the Mitzi, then did the Beaumont, and then Beaumont went to do the tour of that, and then the tour. She called me on my birthday. I was like, and she said, so we have a position opening up at Producers, and um, I'd seen opening night at Producers, so I knew how massive a hit it was. Right. And uh, she's like, yeah, so I want to pull you in from the tour, but you have to, I want you to finish the tour. There's like three weeks left of the tour. We had a two-week off, a layoff in between. <laughs> so I went to New York and learned 13 ensemble tracks and started Leo Bloom, learning Leo Bloom and Carmen Ghia. Flew back out on the road. Forgot everything <laughs> and did three weeks of contact to finish the tour and then came back in and joined the, the producer's company. So you were in two massive hits back to back. I mean, to go from where you felt like a couple of years before you weren't in a good place emotionally. Yeah. To be like, and also in a big saying place. like no to Strowman, which right. was, and thinking I'll never, I'll be, I'll, I'll, reg- I'll be regional theater from now, you know. Right. Like never on Broadway anymore. Um, so yeah. So. And how does like, it feel to be in a big hit like that? I mean, there's the security reasons and all that stuff, but I mean, just. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and at that time I was when I was a little bit younger. I was kind of in that like what's next or like if anything came along I would go take that the challenge and all that but then I got to a point and especially I think also being on tour was had I been in New York or something and I don't know maybe a little different but I was I remember saying to myself like this is a huge hit it's gonna be there while I'm sitting on it it is you know um so yeah plus it was like it was a lot of work it was you know and, and understanding Leo um and Carmen and I got to go on so much. It was so it was, a, it was comforting, and I was going through things personally at that time too. Like my father passed away, and I bought a house, um, and and so it was kind of like it was my uh, security. It was like my blue blanket for Leah Blue. You know, it was like absolutely. Uh, I could go to work, and for three hours, I knew you know this was. I knew what I was. I wasn't having any turmoil in my life in a way, and it allowed me to work on other things. Um, and at the same time, as great as it was, you know, a long run, it wears on you and it wears on especially original company members. You know, it, it, it's, it takes discipline from many people to keep the spontaneity and creative juices flowing as so as if someone's seeing it for the first time. So, um, it's and, a golden handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's in it and you can feel beaten down at times. So, um. You know, I try and remember that when I am in a show and not swinging, or if I'm swinging, or even if I'm just like a dance captain or associate, of it really is about how you treat people. Like, we're all very vulnerable artists, and there are crazy wackos in this business, and there are brilliant <laughs> people, and sometimes they're both at the same time. And it really is about how, you know, how you go about getting the best performance out of someone. And I always try and remember that as like a dance captain or someone that's to... to by beating them down, you know, it may not be the best way. It may work for some people and other directors or whatever, you know, choose to do that. But I always try and feel like, you know, um, going, learning individually how that person works and then what's the best way to go to them with pulling that performance out. Well, no, I agree because uh, working with you right now as and you're the associate, not the dance captain, but you still right. give notes. And uh, and sometimes I take them. No, um, <laughs> no, no, the no, but I watch I watch that discipline and how you're doing it. And you told the fun, one story about being a dance captain for Crazy For You and just figuring out people. Because yeah. I, I mean, 
sometimes I want to only have to figure out what I have to do. And as the dance captain, you have to figure out everyone and figure out who's in a bad mood today, who you've given that note three times. Yeah. And so, I mean, do you have a, a secret or? You know, I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's almost like being a therapist or a counselor because everyone, I feel everyone, it's about performing from your personality. And for instance, that crazy few experience, I, I, um, for me, it's always like, if I make someone's laugh or if I get on their good side or kind of do it jokingly, you know, I never want to come to them threateningly or, you know, a pointed uh, uh, demand or something. But um, I had been giving notes to this person and I came in with a very kind of like funny, quirky way and it kind of opened her shell a little bit. And then it wasn't until later that I saw we were doing this um, event together and I saw her sing and I saw how she came to life and it literally floored me. I it, I was like I oh I remember saying oh my god I now understand. I just like she is so incredibly talented, and I felt like what I felt was that she was being shaped and formed into this this ensemble member who couldn't bring any of that to life. And all I had to do was say you can still do that, and to know that, and we all see that now. And, in, and partly that's, what, that's also part of your position of being in the ensemble. You know, it's that we all go through it of feeling like we're not showing our true talent or not be showing as much as we can do. But, you know, I always try and say, go find something else that allows you to do that as well. You know, I believe that now and I, I, I have to have that in my life, whether it's performing or not, whether it's working in my garden or I have to have well-rounded things so that if I'm not, if I'm going through a rough spot performance-wise... I can have something else in my life that's creating, making me feel pop, to stay positive about it. Well, now that we know that you have a good relationship with Stro, you uh, and she sent you a helicopter. You also, uh, <laughs> she also <laughs> gave you a note once in contact that I think is a funny story. So you could tell that story because you know it's in good fun now. <laughs> <laughs> Stro, and if you're listening, it's all in good fun. No, it, I, it was. Well, there was a moment in, there was this, I, I played the um, effing roles guy in the second piece, the Italian piece of uh, Contact. And um, on the tour, um, because of the proscenium, the, the, my entrance and exit there, uh, I was this, I had this cross across stage like three or four times and the husband, the abusive husband kept asking me roles, asking me for roles, those roles. And... Uh, I kept forgetting to bring them back. And so finally I remembered and, and I, I go past his table, I come back to him and I show him this big, huge basket of rolls and I say effing rolls, but then I, I turn my back on him and walk off. I don't give him one. And it's supposed to, and the audience by then hates the husband and is rooting, you know, for my character. So I would get exit applause every night screaming, you know, like they were, and you know, and I thought, well, that's good. And we had been, it's the way I did it in New York, and we were rehearsing in the city. And John Weidman, who wrote the book for it, who also wrote the book for Big, you know, he's like, you know, teasing me. That it was like, well, who are you going to give me an exit applause? Well, <laughs> well then this one night, I guess, I, I, I was sitting, I was sharing a dressing room with the guy, uh, the actor who was playing the husband. And um, there was a knock on the door, and it was Stroman, and she had like a note for me and she was just like what is this uh, you know Danny Zuko what are you know from Greece what are you uh, this Italian you know and uh, which to me I was playing him more like real tough guy Italian as opposed to musical comedy Greece character I felt and so I was I was a little bit like and I think it was maybe past half hour or maybe it was <laughs> close to half hour you know and 
So, but I was like, it's trauma and I can take a note, you know? And, and then I was just kind of like, I didn't know how to take that. I was just like, ah. And so I, it was just reflexes, I think. And I just kind of slowly closed the door to the dressing room, maybe on Strowman. <laughs> like, I didn't go like, oh, okay, great. Sure. I was just like, uh, and <laughs> but it all worked out. We, I was like, you know, I think I opened the door back up and we had a laugh about it. And she's um, standing there. And she's standing there like, did you just close the door in my face? And I was like, no, no, I would never do that. <laughs> oh. Um, so yeah, but. So a big part of being in the uh, ensemble is also uh, is also understudying, and yeah. you got to understudy and go on. You took. Did you ever take over for Leo? I, I know you did it in Atlanta, and uh, I did it. Yeah, another. I did it uh, North Carolina, North Carolina theater, and at the Fox here in Atlanta with the Under the Under the Stars. Um, but I've never taken over a role. I've always just remained. You know, I usually always. I, yeah, every time I've done a Broadway show, I I feel like I'm pretty sure I've always done the complete run of it. <laughs> That's great. You know, and so I, um, and so, yeah, so it's, I've just been there. Like with producers, when Leo, I did, I, I did a Leo opposite every person who's ever performed Max. Um, so that was, you know, pretty, after a while I got, I started doing the numbers and I was like, oh my, you know, so. Oh no, absolutely. It was, uh, it was interesting to say the least with the personalities that, well, I know. that have done that there's, role there's um, some horror stories like you go oh on my God. not from that show but say they some people love understudies because it's fresh and they like yeah. being in the moment and some people Hate. want it exactly yeah so i mean do you have any yeah. good or bad you know i mean <laughs> yes yeah there are some frustrating stories of like you know i would of course love to you know say names but i won't but yeah it is that you're you are uh you have to check your ego at the door. And unfortunately, if like with the producers, I had been doing Leo. I had been the stand-in for Matthew on the movie. So I just, I felt like I had a grasp. And, and, and I always felt like I can't copy exactly. I can't be Matthew. I can bring his quality to what I have quality-wise. I got to bring myself to the role. Otherwise, it looks like you're, you know, trying to copy. And so in that instance, um... When there were more times of uh, Max's coming in, I I would rehearse with them usually, you know, as during the show while that's happening. We take the understudy of somewhere and rehearse with it. That I, I had to go, all right, check your ego at the door. Um, because sometimes it would there would be moments of like them expressing or saying something to you or that you would just have to say, you know, well, that's. Like, I always try to say, that's what's going to happen for you on stage. Like, I'm doing, okay, if Roger Bart's doing Leo, I'm trying to do exactly what Roger's doing so that it's an easier transition mm. for when they go on stage and do it with the actual Leo, as opposed to, this is the way I do it, and, you know, it's going to be different for you when you get on with Roger. I try and be, this is exactly what's going to happen, you know, or this moment's going to be like this. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot more work. It's sometimes, you know, it's exhausting, but for me... Uh, I look at it, I, you know, I have friends who I went to school with or that I've worked with early on and they're like, I will only do principal roles. I will not do ensemble. I won't do ensemble in New York. I won't do ensemble at regionally, whatever. And that's a choice and it's great and I respect that. For me, I, I just had to work. I had to perform. And it was, the offers were always swinging. And then I got to where I, it was a challenge and I loved it. And then I went through a period before producers actually of like swinging because I swung contact in the Beaumont. That uh -huh. I was literally like, this is killing me. Like I was like, I don't know how much more I can do this. I, you know, I, I was looking at 
what I'm going to do. And then now I now realize how, you know, I feel like I do this and I do it really well. And people know me for that. Casting people know me that directors know me for that. So I embrace it and I go, you know, it's a, it's a lot more work, but I kind of have a routine that I now, you know, can use formula to do stuff. And if it gets me work, great. And the other thing is, I've done more amazing principal roles on Broadway by being a swing and an understudy who's always, I always usually understudy two male principal roles in shows that most of my friends, I mean, out of the experience I've had, I feel like it's, for me has worked better than me saying like, I'm only going to do principal roles, you know, wherever it is. I, I look at the opportunities that I've had and what I've been able to do and go, this is beyond a dream. Absolutely. You know. So after Producers, uh, what came next? Uh, producers was, um, I uh, became the vacation swing at Drowsy Chaperone. Ah. And that was very short-lived. Um, I, I had sent Casey a... I saw uh, the night before opening night of Drowsy, and it, in, it, it gave me a completely new love of life for this business. And it was the best thing I could ever experience at that time. And I had to share that with the cast. I wrote them all notes because I knew all of them for opening of how, you know, it affected me so deeply and dearly and to Casey. And um, So then when producers closed, it was like, you know, they were needing vacation swings. So I went in for a bit. And then um, and then I while, during the producers, I had been there was a floral design course up at the New York Botanical Gardens that I was wanting to do. Like I said, I have to have things outside of my yes. life, you know. <laughs> so I'd been doing this, but it was an intensive. It was like three months, five days a week. So I was I would have had to have missed a few matinees during the course of producers, and they wouldn't let me out. So I was like, all right, as soon as producers close, and the timing happened to be you had to apply for it. It was people from all over the world come and take this certification course. So I was able to get in, so I ended up doing that. Um so it kind of ended, I couldn't do both drowsy and that. So um, then right when I finished that, uh, the audition for Crybaby happened. And that was one of those, like, I went in and on the train ride home, my agent called and said, well, you booked it. So it was like, why can't they all be like this? Literally, yes. like you go in and on the way, you know. So Crybaby was right after that. So, yeah, well, Crybaby, I mean, it was kind of a big flop. Yeah. And I know for me personally, some of my flops are more special than uh, some of my hits. It makes yeah. me appreciate the hits. But yeah. there is also a sinking feeling of after you're doing something like the producers. I mean, how was that when you, you still love it, you still believe in it, even though everyone else is like telling you per, in person how terrible it is. I mean, how does that how does that feel? Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, it's one of those things where I remember t I remember saying like in, in any other instance where I, I feel like I'm having a frustrating rehearsal process or something is I um I, I have the saying of like I know I know how to have fun I know what's going to make me I know what I'm going to need to do once the show is open and whether it's good or bad to where I enjoy doing it it's great when it happens naturally and the, the product is so amazing that you just sign in and you're like ha, 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 I get to do this are you kidding <laughs> And then there are times where it's like, all right, um, you know, be it seeing dressers that you love, you know, there. And it's just, it, you have to, you have to, it's part of the requirement when you sign in. You gotta, you, whether you loathe what you're having to say or do, you have to make it not look like that. Um, and 
it's kind of one of those processes. I mean, for me, like Crybaby was one of those where the rehearsal process was so we had once we got to New York, it was just um, there were injuries, and I felt like every day during the preview process, instead of dealing with the matters that needed to be worked on in the show, we were dealing with a set piece not working or someone getting hit in the head and having a concussion and putting a swing on an understudy who's never had any, you know, it was just, it was just weird. And, and I kind of, you know, that can drain you. And then I always say to myself, like, there are these certain people, there was an actress I was playing opposite from and I was just like, I just love being on stage with her mm-hmm. tonight. So, you know, you just, you latch onto those things and, uh, and find the moments in the show that you feel like, I feel good about this. Like, it's coming up and you get to it and you do that. So, um, and then the whole issue of people afterwards and comments. And I know right away, especially with Crybaby, it was the, the night after our first preview, the online chat rooms were just uh. like, Row! you know, I've never, I, I can't be, I, I hardly ever. And uh, people tease me. My agent teased me. He's like, you would be so far ahead if you just invested in, like knowing what's going on in the theater world, and I'm like, I don't, I ugh, like, I can't. I, I'm, I'm just like here and now. I kind of, like I said, it's like I, I do it. I love doing it, but there's other things in my life that I need to have it that I focus on as well. Um, and and to be wrapped up in all that, even the positive, it's like I, I get that from hearing the applause or hearing the laugh that night or whatever. I. I don't feel like I need to then go home and read about it for another three hours or hear about it negative or what, um, as nice as it is. Uh, so, I, and I think it can really create poison in a company because then it's, you know, it gets starting to get personal. And then uh, when that happens, which it did in Crybaby, it's, it's a, it can be a really venomous place to, you know, kind of come into work. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing, you know, it, and it happens. I mean, uh, you know, for every big hit that I've been, you know, amazed and, and involved with, there's, they're the ones where you're like, wow, okay. And I always try and remember that. I don't like want to push it away and never recall that. I always try and take something and apply it to my next, the next project or somehow get through another situation by like, okay, that didn't work for me in Cry Baby or that didn't work for me in another show that wasn't successful. So how, you know, how can I then avoid the same situation with this? And what's your experience been with uh, injuries? You said a lot of injuries in Crybaby. I'm assuming contact and that. That do you, oh, are you riddled with injuries? I yeah. Um, I uh, one night woke up on the tour in Crybaby and um, actually both shoulders. I couldn't lift at all. My supraspinatus muscles had one had completely almost snapped through, and the other one was had received damage. So I was out of the show for I think three months. And did physical therapy. It was we were luckily sitting in Chicago for that whole time, so I was able to just do one physical therapist at that. But then subsequently, it never healed. You know, it was always that thing. And then so in producers, I re-injured it. Um, and then I was doing a show in Florida, a new musical that was being started up. And uh, I had us during one of the dance numbers, just felt this horrible snap and pain. So I did therapy and therapy and therapy and uh, doctors were like, you know, <laughs> we can't do any more therapy. So I had shoulder <laughs> surgery to repair the, my shoulder. Um, and that was, oh my God, that was killer. Uh, I mean, so many ankle sprains. Uh, I've broken both wrists. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's the life of my knees are a mess. I had knee surgery on both knees in college, so I didn't start off really well. But yeah, it's just my joints now, I feel like... 90 years old when 
in the morning. The whole process to get going is a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, we perform in pain all the time. <laughs> all the time. And that was my, th- that's it is. You, you go, our level of like just dealing because we have to get through it. We know what we need to do is when you hear what I call a normal person, the person who doesn't do this. Right. You know, you they're like stub a toe and it's, you know, they're they in can't the emergency walk. room. They yeah. can't walk. Yeah. And for us, it's just you, you, you know what you have to do to get through and you do. But it's painful. <laughs> painful. The first time I remember officially meeting you was at the Young Frankenstein callback, and you went right in front of me and you sang uh, "Whatever Happened to My Part" from Spamalot, and uh, which you booked it. I did not. So obviously, I, but I was. No, I didn't book. That was for the Broadway company. I didn't book oh. the Broadway company. Oh, you booked the tour. No, I booked the yeah. Oh, all right. But it was so. I mean, I. I love people who take risks at auditions. Yeah. But some people think, oh no, just if they say, come in with the Sondheim song, you sing a song. But you went above and beyond and eventually got it. I mean, what is your feeling on, because it seems like you, auditioning is terrifying, especially if. Uh, I hate you, it. Yes. And so, it, <laughs> I mean, but some people play it safe all the time and I get the feeling you don't. Yeah. A- and you sounded great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, well, that specific one for me was. Um, you know, I like I said, fortunately, it was like a family after a while. Like there, you, you with Stroman, there's this the same you know associates, there's the same musical director, there's the same costume designer, this and you know eventually at some point they're all in the same room, you know the room for the thing. And I'm, you know, I have been fortunate where sometimes I'm just brought on board to do the project, and there are other times where I have to audition just like starting over again. And that was the case with because I think it was such a high profile. That it was Mel Brooks, you know, mm. and he was really involved with all the casting and stuff. Um, it it was everyone kind of had to start again and jump through the hoops and do stuff. And but for me, um, I, I just remember being. It was at a place like you know in 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 my dressing room, the swing dressing room, and um, just for shits and giggles, I was like, it was kind of like therapy for me, and I, I may have been in like slightly of a spiraling dark place <laughs> and I was like oh my god what do I what what have they not seen me do like I could walk in naked and do you know and so I was like all right so what am I gonna sing and I, I had just gone to uh Lauren Kennedy was playing Lady of the Lake and I went to see her one for last performances and I was sitting there, and it was just on my mind of like that would be kind of funny. I mean, in a, the way it's done in the show, is she's very kind of like, look, we you know whatever happened to my part, a bit of a diva, you know, in the second act. I thought like, this could be like my story of like Stacy Todd holding the swing of like, whatever <laughs> happened to my part, and, you know? And I'm like over this swinging. So um, I just I've got the song out and I just started reading it and I was laughing and I was like, oh my god, wait, you could say this, you know, and do and uh, so I wrote it out and I, I did it I sang it for the swings in the room and they were shooting their pants laughing and I was like, well, and they were like, you have to do this, you have to do this, and yeah. So, so I was yeah, and I that's probably I've done other ones I've never like rewritten so, or or sang, sang a, a woman song kind of thing right. like that. So that for me was like definitely the biggest biggest uh, risk taking thing, but I think it's. I mean, for me, um, I think risk uh, is good. It's um, it's also one of those like um, to uh, to sing something that you are comfortable with. That's the most important thing I think that I've learned. Um, yes, you want to sing what they've auditioned or what they're looking for specifically, but uh, if you don't have that uh, type of song, then I definitely go for. I, this is what I feel is showing my voice off the best 
and I feel comfortable doing. Um, you know, but it always is that like we want a comedy song, and like so, well, kind of what's a comedy song? And it's that like, are they gonna? Because I've done, I've actually sang that same song in another situation, and I literally it was like a funeral. And I was just, I remember just going like, I cannot get out of this room fast enough. Could not get out fast enough. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really do believe that it's like just people want to see you at your best. And I, I just figured at that, at that moment, like those people all know me and they know that if, if they can't take this as a joke, you know, then I'm screwed. Right. <laughs> So then you did Elephant Elf uh, two years because yeah. it, it was on Broadway the uh, 2010 and 2012. Right. And then was there a workshop for Elf? There was workshop. Were you involved? I was not t- involved. Oh. I was in L.A. doing Young Frankenstein. We okay. were closing in the, that segment of the tour before it went out. Something else, CETA or Non-Equity or something right. like that. Yeah. So, And my agent called and wanted me to fly in for the audition for Elf. And I said... Uh, it, Mel Brooks was supposed to be there and there was a whole thing of they weren't letting anyone out for any type of mm. you know, th- uh, personal days or anything like that. So I just said, could would there be any way possible I could send a videotape to Casey or if you could just, you know. And so my agent said that they talked to uh, Bethany Knox at Telsium to say, you know, he's in L.A., can't get out of, he's coming back in a week. Are they having callbacks and stuff? And my agent said, uh, they said, don't worry about it. He, you know, he, he'll swing because it was fine. So it worked out. That, oh, great. Yeah. So then this is your second show for Casey. But you also knew, because your first one was Drowsy, and then this. But you knew Casey originally from Crazy For You. Right. Well, he was had just left Crazy For You. Or we did, like, there was the whole, um, what was the show? Um, Victor Victoria was starting. Right. And so Scott Taylor, who was the dance captain and swing, same thing that I was doing on the tour, he was doing the New York company and Casey. And there was one other person I felt who they were leaving Crazy for You to do uh, Victor Victoria. Victoria. So that's how I came in. So oh. he was going out, and Scott Taylor, who also did Still Feel Like That, um, they, so I came in kind of right at that transition period. But we knew each other socially, and we met like at dinner parties. Stacey Logan, who was Patsy in Crazy for You. Mm. And, and so, you know, we socially knew each other and kept up, you know, that way. But, uh, yeah, it was um, kind of drowsy was the, I came in. And I did, um, I think it was after uh, Crybaby, um, he cast Minsky's. And so I did Minsky's, uh, out, we, it was at the Amundsen in L.A. Okay. I was supposed to try out there to come into New York, but it never happened. So I worked with him there as well. And then Elf. Well, I mean, just this is completely off. Uh, but with Minsky's, mm-hmm. the whole feeling of like doing an out of town tryout and what if we're coming to Broadway? Because I know that's like happens a lot. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's happening right now. Maybe uh, yeah. it's not. Right. But like that's such a weird thing because you, when you're doing something out of town, you don't want to be thinking about Broadway. Right. But you instinctively are. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's also, I mean, how was that? Because Minsky's, I heard, was great, but it, it nothing ever happened with right. it. Yeah, we uh, even after LA, we did another big workshop here in New York to do, and I mean that it happens. It seems like well for me, I know it's always I, you know I ask my agents all the time like, what are the specifics of it? Who's directing? Who's choreographing? Who's you know what is trying out here? And there's always the 
and it's they're hoping to bring it in. It's that you know that some type of clause of they're bringing it in or they're hoping to bring it right. in. They want to bring it in, all that. Well, it's like every show. Who doesn't want to bring it in? Absolutely. You know? So I kind of look at it now as if it's if there's hope in it, then it will, and if not, then it won't. And I look at it as more of who do I want to work with? Who's involved with it? Who makes me go? Oh my God, this speaks to me. Not only as the piece and the the work, but also who's involved with it. I just feel too like right now in my life, I want to work with people that it's that somewhat of having a teeny tiny bit of control in your life to be like, you know what? I pound the pavement when I was in my 20s and I worked really hard and I felt like it got me to a place where I don't want to be choosy, but I want to also, I want to enjoy and I want to come to work feeling uplifted. And, you know, so for me, it's more of an involvement of who's involved. Because if I, I feel like I know certain people now and knowing how they are as a person and as a creative person, I can pretty much tell what the piece will be like, whether it's successful or not, or whether it comes to Broadway or not. I, I in, in my life right now, I, that's what I'm aiming for more. I think that's, no, I think that's great. Know. I mean, in thinking something, if it's going to be a success or not, yeah. uh, what were your feelings on your most recent Broadway show, Rocky? Well, I, yeah, I mean, please, we all talked about it. When my agent called and said I have an audition for you for Rocky, I was like, what? Um, and I was like, all right, you know, and I went in and um, I I knew, um, you know, the, the team involved. Uh, um, but it was a different team than... You've worked oh, with. totally! All, all completely different. Didn't I? I knew of them. I had never worked with any of them before. But well, that's exciting, though, when that happens. That was then you're like, oh, true. I'm talented. It's not just because I, I know. I people. was one of the, almost I will say almost not easiest, but I was at ease the most going into audition for them. I didn't feel like, oh my god, they know my work. I have to prove myself. I was able to go in and just be like, this is what I can do, and. They were very specific at what they were. They were needing a swing. They needed a character swing, and they needed someone to cover Polly. So I had all those sides of all stuff like that, and then we had to do a whole boxing combination stuff like that. And it was one of those things where I was like, I, it wasn't like auditioning for your family or your close personal friends, where you're like, oh God, please let me be good because they know me. They see me. That was like, and um, I just I. It was one of those two things where I like I went in the next day had a call back and then they gave me the news like as I was you know going home and it was thrilling and I thought I didn't know anything about it so I started you know Wikipedia or Google whatever I was like because they did the production in Berlin and uh, so you know I saw footage of all that and just was kind of like you know I producers was very high profile and this was another one of those things and it was like well it's either you know it could run the gamut it could be instant hit it could be you know, uh, not a hit, but run there for years and years and years. Right. You know, um, but then it was the uh, like the the whole uh, technical aspect of it, which blew us away when we first saw like the first day of rehearsals and the whole. Design if people said it, the last fifteen minutes was the most exciting fifteen watched, minutes ever on Broadway. If I was not on, which towards the I was like the last two months I was on every single night, uh, but I watched the last I never left the theater usually as a swing there's a certain point in the show where you can leave and go home if you're not on I stayed till the through the curtain call every night because I had never seen anything like it it's tr it was truly crazy um, 
but it was it was a frustrating process in, in ways. Um, uh, Alex Timbers, who's the director, who's really an amazing mind, and you know worked in a. I, I felt like for the longest time we weren't doing a musical; we were doing a play. His whole rehearsal process was about like sitting around the table, first read through, let's talk about it, let's you know. There was nothing. You didn't get up on your feet until it seemed like. And plus, they would do like closed rehearsals where. They just wanted the people involved in the scene in the room and all that. So as a swing and understudy, it was a little extra work for us. But and then the whole tech process of like I, I just always felt like everything that worked for me thus far as a swing and understudy was failing <laughs> because you just couldn't grasp. Like we were in the mezzanine and like it was so dark you couldn't see and you you would hear these screams from backstage because of the technical. And so we were terrified to go backstage and trail for the longest time. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it ended up not being the success that it was. But for me, understanding Pauly, and it was a part that, you know, there's he's he's not a song and dance guy. He has no songs. He's you know he's an alcoholic. He's Brooklyn, so he's like this. So for me, um, you know, getting to do that role because uh, the actor uh, had contractual days off to do. Uh, he was in the TV pilot, so you know it was great. I mean, that for me, like I said, like when would I ever be? Even submitted for a part, a non-singing, acting, you know, absolutely. Part. So I, for me, that and it was Casey, Casey and Josh. The, one of the nights I was on, <laughs> I took my curtain call vows. I was in the ring. I do my bow. I look up, and Casey and Josh were standing. They were in the front row of the seats that didn't go on stage. Oh, right. To ride in the ring, they were so they were literally right in front of me. And Casey has somehow. Without, because I don't send out like, "Hey, I'm on doing yeah. Josh, blah blah blah, blah. come see me." Um, just happened to be walking by, and he was like, "We had not, we had no idea you were on." And he's, but he's seen me do like understudy principles in like three or four shows. Wow! And he's always, yeah, just somehow, you know. And you got the gypsy rope for that. And I got the gypsy rope finally because uh, Lisa Gaida and Jennifer Smith were finally not in a show that I was doing because. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, that was that was really amazing. It I, is. I mean, it's it's it's, it's silly crazy. and it's crazy awesome. The great thing about it for me, you know, I've been a part of so many of them, and it was just I was I didn't do the math. I was like, wait, you haven't you done you know? But we had a lot of we had at least six people that that was their Broadway debut in Rocky, oh. and they didn't even understand the whole thing. And then when they saw, they came and they you know you call the people who were making and they come into the center and. For, for we had a huge amount of ex Gypsy Road people that were there and telling their story of when it was an emotional like for this mm. big group of boxers and sh- you know this like show that's all fucking hey, I mean, <laughs> um, you know they it was you know, there were people who were really affected by you know the symbolism and the history of that of that robe so it was pretty cool oh it's, I, I, mean, say, I can't wait like, to get mine yeah I'm gonna get yeah. one I'm gonna get you one you are I'm gonna kill Lisa Gaida <laughs> Uh, and so then you the, you've gotten to work with Casey a lot and now you're currently working with Casey as his associate yeah. on uh, a show yeah. um, that could or could not come in but then yeah. next after that do you mean before we go on yeah. to your your final next project yeah. do you like being an associate I mean is it part of like your floral design is it part of like something absolutely. else you don't do absolutely absolutely I, I I love aspects of it's the creative process like being in Casey's studio and coming up with and watching him come up with the stuff or you know be, being responsible for that is you know it's just a it's just a different like it puts you in a different level 
personally with them, you know, and you, you, the inside of how they work is fascinating and just awe-inspiring. And then I do love, I love performing. I will always do that. It will be, I always say like something's going to have to happen. I, I'm going to have to be in the front of a bus going down Ninth Avenue to get me out of this business, <laughs> you know, um, or uh, it, because, uh, but being an associate and like I kind of talked about before of like, Pulling things out of people, I don't. I've always never said I don't think I want to teach, but I do love helping people see like how something works, or go this route, or try this, or do you know of, of discovery. I love that aspect, and I feel like with the associate position, there's a lot of that involved. It's also honoring what the choreographer needs, and you you kind of have to put aside that. Be it, like as a swing and a dance captain, I always had to worry about not pissing people off while you're giving notes because you got to cover them. And so they're going to be like messing with you, you know, and you're going to need, you're going to need them to help, help you out a bit in certain times. And the associate, even though you're not in the company and you have, I still feel like you can't just be like, do this because it's that way. I think it's, it's still that for them to do what Casey wants as a choreographer, it's to, to demonstrate and to pass on that knowledge of where, it came from from his from his mind and his heart and his soul, as opposed to just steps, especially and that's I believe how Casey really works. I mean, he comes up with amazing choreography, but it's more so that it's about where it's coming from and it's all about within. So if you're pulling positivity out of your performers, you're pulling you're helping that come out as well. As if you're beating them down, they're going to close off, and you're just going to be cleaning steps, and that's not going to work. So I like that. Yeah. So your next project, the marquee's up, so it's not a secret, okay. is Something Rotten, yes. um, which is fantastic. It'll probably be running by the time I get this website yeah. up. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, that was a lab, which is similar to a workshop, that went straight to Broadway. Yeah. I mean, so I don't want to just, I don't want to give too much away, but is, I mean, going into, you're going to be an original cast, you're not being a swing. I'm not, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, what are your, I mean, what are your feelings now it's and you're I'm, not getting hit by a bus no so. <laughs> i'm this project for me like definitely crazy for you definitely contact um those pieces speak to me as far as like a performer and artistically and all uh this i can't begin it's like giddy crazy it's like christmas morning times a thousand if you were a child of the most amazing gift. Um, this lab that we did for like five weeks was a room full of phenomenally, wonderfully warm, hilarious, crazy people doing phenomenal, crazy, hilarious choreography and singing this, like, every aspect, the book, the songs, the choreography, the people. Uh, it was like to come to work and rehearse was, we were all like, hey, you know, and it was pretty massive. I mean, it was a highly produced type workshop uh, situation. And I I think they were pushing for that to possibly see if the interests were so immediate that we would come straight in as opposed to doing an out-of-town tryout, which successfully it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're all kind of those involved. And it's, it happened, you know, it's pretty relatively soon after that, you know. and uh, it, So it's... And it's also an original. It's not based on a movie. It's not based on a book. It's, you know, this idea of that Shakespeare may have borrowed ideas from other writers at the time to create his works, you know, which there's this. Uh, but it's done in 
true Casey Nicola fashion where it's like, you know, drowsy chaperone and uh, uh, Spamalot and Book of Mormon kind of all rolled into one where it's, you know, it's it's very, there are moments of very touching, like pull at your heart and then it's the next thing they do, they're slapping your face with a big old fish, you know, or just, it's, <laughs> you know, and with, with a big old tap step, you know. Um, so it's, it's just very exciting. I mean, that, that type of, I don't want to say I've never felt that, but that feeling of when you're working on something that is really pretty amazingly special and like, oh my God, could this, you know, like if this were to go, it would be, so there's, it's a lot of, you know, at the same time, I'm like, all right, oh, you know, it's still, (laughs) you know, we don't want to crash and burn. So, um, but it's a great feeling to have. And I'm, you know, that, that, this, that's what also is the feeling of having that is which where it's like, it's makes it impossible to leave the business, you know? Absolutely. It's that thing of like these moments where you're like, Oh, so I think we're going to wrap it up uh, pretty soon. And hopefully I'll be at the gypsy run of, of something rotten. If not, I'll, I'll get tickets. Um, but is there any other random stories? Anything else you wanted to share? Oh my gosh. Um, so many. I know so many. Well, I always said <laughs> if I was ever interviewed, I would pull these out of my back pocket. Now I can't remember them all. Uh, no. Um, no, yeah, I just, you know, uh, it, I was here in Atlanta um, two years ago. Uh, I was doing a production with producers playing Leo. And for me, I just remembered. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get emotional now. <laughs> um, my, you know, my father passed away, and um, it, for me, it was I, I was lucky, and I, I uh, the the max that I was playing opposite was we we kind of we stood uh, we were stand-ins on the movie together, so we we knew each other so well, and um, I was so thankful just to in this that role and in that um, light come home and. You know, because that's the first time people, I had relatives who, you know, every reunion, family reunion growing up, my mother would sneak tap shoes in the car to take and try oh. to force me to perform, you know, do something. And so everyone was like, well, if you ever do anything here, how many families from North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee? And all of a sudden there was this moment where, you know, I was on, I wasn't swinging. So it was, I knew definite that, and it was to do Leo. And so I had family come from all over and this two week run here it was like 80 to 100 people it seemed at the fox at the stage door you know like seeing me and people that i hadn't seen since i was 10 years old in tap class you know who were in the little company i was with so there was a there was a whole full circle of like when i started out in this i had no idea where it was taking me and i don't feel like it's over but it was pretty amazing to come back and to like share that with the people who got me to where i am you know, with teachers and in the class and people who were like, you've got to go do this, Stacey, you've got to go do this, you know, friends who like knew that they didn't want to. But so, um, you know, I mean, this moments like that where it's, I can't imagine doing anything else. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> you know, well, that's the best way to end yeah. it. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks, Brad. Sure. And if I figure out how to drop a song into post, what song from, would you pick from all your Broadway shows? Oh my gosh. You know, there was one that always, um, it was the first time I ever went on for Bobby Child in uh, Crazy Few, and I was uh, understudying, covering uh, uh, Jimmy Brennan. And he said, biggest secret advice is don't shoot your wad on Can't Be Bothered because you're in a limousine and you're you're on a lift coming up through the roof of the limousine and then you start tapping on a limousine and then you jump out on a deck and then like 
16 girls in fluffy pink come out and start tapping with you. And all you want to do is like go to 120% right away. And he's like, just pace yourself. And um, I remember when that happened, I was like, oh, yeah, no, totally. I'm going to pace. I'm doing understudy <laughs> rehearsals. And the first night I went on, I got halfway through that number. And it was like my lips were like up over my my mouth was so dry. I was, it was as if I'd never done anything active in my life because I thought I was going to gasp for air. But it was the most thrilling, beyond dream experience. So for some reason, Can't Be Bothered is always. And it's a number that no matter right now, how many years later, if you put that piece of music on, I... I could do both Bobby's choreography and the Pink Girls choreography. <laughs> so I would probably say can't be bothered. And that's it. Well, thank you. I'm going to get a hug. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bad news. Go away. Call round someday in March or May. I can't be bothered now. My bonds and shares may fall downstairs. Who cares? Who cares? I'm dancing and I can't be bothered now. Bobby, darling, I'm ready for this little hour now. I'm not going to the wedding all planned about it. You'll wear a morning coat and I'll wear a morning coat. I'll wear a morning coat. I'll wear a morning coat. I'm up among the stars. When times are riper Just now I shan't Because you see I'm dancing And I can't be bothered now My bank is burning, or even if Romania wants to fight Albania. I'm not upset, and I refuse to fret. He's not upset! Oh no! And you refuse to fret! That's for me! Take a message! Bye. 
bothered now. Bobby, me, or Dead Rock? Taxi Grand Central Station! 